2: He didn't slam you,
1: he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go through everything racing, uh, from this week. Joining me in the studio, Mr. Seth Eggert and Mr. Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Good,
3: thank doing you. wow. Well.
1: All right, so big headline this week, NASCAR has decided their championship four, and that'll be three Gibbs cars along with uh, Kevin Harvick. Uh, so uh, we will get to that later in the show, but uh, we do have a really special show tonight. I've, I've got a couple of uh, awesome guests on here. First off, I've got uh, Vaughn Kenyon, who is a uh, social media friend of mine. We talk about IndyCar racing a lot um vaughn is an excellent indycar photographer he's from a race family uh so vaughn um good evening thanks for joining us
2: thank you thanks
1: for having me all right and uh, my other guest tonight is um some folks call him the greatest midget racing driver ever uh you know some folks call him the king of midgets vaughn you just call him dad but, uh, you know, welcome to the show, Mel Kenyon, uh, the king of Midges, true legend of racing. Mel, so pleased to have you on the show tonight. It's
4: really good to be with you all.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Now, Mel, you've had a, a, a very uh, long life and a long career. I mean, you were still racing into your 70s, um, and you've, uh, you know, you've probably forgotten more race wins than most guys would like to have. I think by the tally I was trying to figure up, you've got close to 400 Feature wins, you've, you've got a handful of championships, you're in three different Hall of Fames, um, and, and just you know widely recognized as, number one, one of the early tough guys of racing, and um, just, just a fantastic guy that was hard to beat on the track. But, but what I want to ask you, in your long career, is, that, is there one particular phase of your career uh, that stands out as, as more enjoyable than the rest, or, or has it just been fantastic the whole time?
4: Well, it's been pretty fantastic all the way, except for the fact that any time you can win one of those hot dog races like Turkey Night, it's always good at at Agajanian's place. And uh, actually, uh, to be inducted into the International Hall of Fame and the National Hall of Fame in the same year is pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's some good stuff. Now, Vaughn, a lot of uh, guys that are from racing families, sometimes they haven't had the opportunity to see um you know their their father compete um and i know vaughn you're just a little bit younger than i am uh which means that you missed out on like the some of mel's career but at the same time he kept driving until he was in the 70s so what was it like growing up in, in the racing family and being at the racetrack all the time and and did you ever just want to say pops or uh, when, when are you going to stop as you're getting old
2: uh um, no i never had Never did ask that question, but uh, it it was it was fun growing up, going to the racetracks and seeing the different uh, countries and states that we visited to go to the races. We uh, we had an interesting kind of a unique childhood, I guess. And, uh, it was good. Got to experience a lot of stuff that uh, other kids my age didn't get to experience. It
1: was a nice time. Yeah, and it's it's led to your love of racing that you still hold today. Uh, you know, I see you're very very active on social media now. I, I see that you're a regular fixture at the Indy 500. I've seen some of your uh, some of your photographs, uh, some of your albums. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, so, how did you um you know come to this love of photography, and and where are you help open to take this?
2: We. uh my mom was a very artistic person on her side of the family as well. And, uh, she was, she did oil painting and uh, sculptures. And uh, my side of the artistic coin was photography. I've always enjoyed that. Back before digital cameras, it wasn't uh, feasible with the film and the developing and all that stuff. But now with the digital cameras, uh you know the ability to edit on the computer and stuff like that it's, uh, it's really a fun hobby to have <laughs> i enjoy oh. photographing no matter what week, what whatever i'm watching or on vacation or whatever i photograph about everything i go to anymore
1: yeah i've seen a lot of your stuff it's really nice work i saw the recently you'd, um post some stuff from the cincinnati zoo which is one of my favorite places to hang out at my daughter loves the zoo so uh i mean it looks like like you had a great time there so um now mel i want to talk to you about safety in racing now now you you drove during a very dangerous time right and there's been a lot of safety innovation that has came, you know, along through the way, and it seems like some of the latest things, like particularly this windscreen they want to put on the indie cars, is, is drawing a bit of backlash from fans, and, and one of the arguments I hear from some of these fans who don't get in a car and drive it are that, the, you know, the drivers know the risks, and they should handle the risks. Now, now, and they feel like today's drivers are soft. Now, you're you're one of the tough guys. You, you've you survived some... some you know, a heck of a crashes and and devastating injury, uh, and continue to drive. So what? I mean, what's your thought on you know today's drivers? And I mean, is it right for folks to say drivers know the risks, or do you feel like safety is important in the?
4: Well, actually, uh, drivers do know the risk. But then on the other hand, we've been involved with a lot of the up,
1: uh,
4: if you will, the innovations of safety equipment, like uh, with my bonfire, of course, in a race car. Um, turn wheels didn't come off at that time and so they couldn't get me out of the car now they all come off so that was the first one and then we had the first roll cage on a midget and uh one of the first ones at the indianapolis motor speedway and that was great too except it slowed us down we took the cage off and went eight mile an hour faster (laughs) uh, and, and then also too the helmet restraints uh i tried to throw my head off at uh at Winchester, Indiana, the 150-mile-hour sudden stop, and now they have helmet restraints. And so, um, and the devices, of course, to, my fire suit at that time was, was a 10-second suit, and I was in the fire for three minutes. So now, of course, the suits last up to five minutes, and uh, you don't try to throw your heads off anymore like we used to. <laughs> and uh, steering wheels come off so you can get out of a race car quick, and it just kind of all... Oh, Developed after something
1: happened to me, which is unfortunate yet fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of your your injuries from from Langhorn, um, this you've, you've earned the nickname "Miraculous Mel" uh, because your recovery was nothing short of miraculous. Um, and, and I've noticed that you know over the years when we when we see a, a driver get injured, a lot of times they will beat that timetable of returning to the race. And I know that you you give a lot of credit to. Um, strong christian belief and prayer and i don't i don't discount that at all uh because we all know that's very powerful but uh, is there something different about the psyche of a race car driver and because i i find race car drivers to be tremendous athletes and and have tremendous uh you know um just mental powers uh so uh, do you feel there's anything to that
4: well actually uh when i I was ready to die for the third time after I got burnt, 60 percent burnt, 40 percent third degree, and uh, and my wife, of course, uh, led me to the Lord. She said, there was somebody that could help me, and uh, and so I turned what was left of my life over to the Lord and uh, asked him to do with it what he wanted, not what I wanted, and I waddled out of that hospital in three months instead of nine months, and <laughs> back in a rear in six months instead of and instead of in the hospital, in a race car in six months back in in eight months, so that was kind of fantastic when the doctor said I was going to be there nine months so that was fantastic and a real miracle and so it's a it's it's great to uh be able to recover quick. I still have a lousy trouble with my neck now because because of that trying to throw my head off but <laughs> it's uh you have to put up with all kind of all that stuff, like learning how to work without any fingers on the left hand or thumb, and adjusting to various circumstances, and with the Lord's help, it's really been great. And so i just talking with Billy Graham, and I've been able to talk with Billy Graham, Tom Landry, and a whole lot of important people around New Zealand, Australia, and Canada, and this country, so that's fantastic, too.
1: Uh, yeah, now, all it is. It's truly fantastic. Now, Seth, Seth you have a question?
0: I actually have a couple. Uh, Frank, I know you said that you wanted to stick with more of the more modern stuff. but I actually, oh, wait, have We can, we can, about we can talk about whatever,
1: whatever we like. Uh, Go right ahead, Seth.
0: Mel, your career started in the 1950s, and you actually competed in what was NASCAR's midget division briefly. You won the final championship there. Uh, what was that uh, series like compared to the USAC midget division?
4: Well, it's a gathering also, just like the Turkey Night Races gathering of all the champions. A lot of people come to the, the gathering there in, in Daytona, a little quarter-mile dirt track that we used to run on, and then we spread out and run on a whole lot of different tracks in Florida, in our cold weather, the warm weather there, hopefully. <laughs> but nevertheless, it, it was great to be able to run at these various different racetracks and, uh, and then do this, in fact. The first race car we built, we won 54 features in USAC in four years with that thing, so that turned out well, too.
0: Why do you think most NASCAR fans, or race fans in general, uh, don't know that there was a NASCAR midget division? Uh, a lot of the defunct series, they don't know about, yet they know about, say, the convertible division.
2: Well,
4: that's true. It's uh, Various gatherings have disappeared, and... Uh, We haven't been able to go to Florida to race. Now, I had to quit driving when I was 75 years old, so I haven't been able to go. Uh, In fact, it's like we spent 24 years in New Zealand, Australia, racing over there, so that's fantastic, too. And their warm weather was cold. (laughs) And so it's always great to be able to do things other people can't do.
0: And Vaughn, for you, uh, recently Bubba Wallace has uh, embraced his hobby of photography at the track, uh, would you encourage him or other drivers not only to do, say, photography for NASCAR, but also IndyCar, even hopping over uh, to one of the races you're shooting?
2: Oh yes, uh, it's a fun hobby, and uh, if you enjoy doing it, then yeah, go ahead and you know give it a go. And uh, it's, uh, I, I'm very happy when I'm.
3: Snapping pictures, no matter what it is, but I'm photographing. So Mel, obviously, you know the, the era that where, where, where you were racing was was some people consider the sort of golden era of, of, of motor racing, long long before my time. Um, and I guess it was the the concept where you know the drivers would go out and they would drive anything that had four wheels or two wheels. In in some cases, you know, from from my area, you know, I think of guys like Jim Clark that would. Uh, you know go out and drive anything and you know they they just had a love for the sport and it was it was probably a little bit less serious and a little bit less regimented as as it is today where of course the drivers are very much um, a PR um, and corporate tool as much as they are a driver but obviously the guys these days the financial rewards are, are very high Do you sort of, you know, do you wish you'd been around and racing today, or are you happy with uh, the experiences that you had uh, uh, in your era?
4: Well, actually, uh, we pitted. Actually, our garage was right next to Jim Clark's at the Speedway, so that was kind of (laughs) nice.
3: Oh, fantastic!
4: And uh, it's uh, it was more fun then. Yeah. when you had to learn how to keep the car under you before ground effects and wings and so forth yep. and still do well and so everything has been an insistence in going faster if you will we used to catch the race car every now and then and keep it under us and, and finish the race and nowadays if you uh, have to catch the race car it's almost too late at the speedway so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you're in the wall like we're going so fast through the corners nowadays that uh, it's hard to catch those things You may catch a small wiggle, but, boy, catching a race car when it jumps out is is
1: impossible. Now, I wanted to talk about, as long as we're talking about racing at the Indy 500, I've watched some old film of of some of your races, both midget races and Indy 500, and I've noticed that you have a very different driving style.
2: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: you appear to be a lot more aggressive in the midgets and, and, and a lot smoother and consistent in the um, in the, the champ-style cars. So uh, is that because you're driving somebody else's equipment, or is it, or is it just the way the, the, the car behaves and you're just more comfortable in that midget throwing it around like that?
4: <laughs> well, actually, uh, you have to get carried away in a midget every now and then, and, and you're able to save it, if you will. But uh, even at the IndyCars, you used to be able to save one, and and now, of course, it's seldom possible. But uh, everything is involved into more and more speed, and uh, even in a midget, you know, we go 175 mile an hour, uh, down straightaway with a midget, and we average up to 142 uh, mile an hour with a midget on a mile track, so that's fantastic, too. Uh, Those little cars are kind of nervous on the big tracks, but then again, it's... It's kind of a fun thing, <laughs> and to be able to to drive a midget in various racetracks, even road courses around the country, that's that's kind of fantastic, also.
1: Now, is there any particular track that has just stood out as been your favorite?
4: Well, after uh, 394 feature wins, that kind of <laughs> <than> <laughs> but there's 632 second and third places, so. A
1: lot of those I should have won, but I did not. Okay, so now you've, other than just being a fantastic driver, now you and your brother built cars, and, and Mel Kenyon Midget Cars were, uh, you've had guys named Mario and AJ and Johnny Rutherford, uh, as well as more contemporary guys like um, Jeff Gordon and even Ryan Newman, yeah, so uh, uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, building the cars and the process, and and kind of how how that feeds into the, the racing career because uh, your, your cars were second to none at some places.
4: Well, in fact, our cars are a little different than most. Uh, our roll cages are uh, taller, oh, taller if you will, higher in the air than the national cars. Our cockpits are longer than the most uh, race cars, and so even drivers up to 250 pounds can dr- climb into our midgets and still win the races. So. And the big thing about our midgets now is they have a motor, uh, 115 horsepower as a rule, and maybe 125 horsepower. And against you running run against the 385 horsepower cars, but on certain racetracks uh, like a Tony Stewart race at the Speed Dome Indianapolis, uh, uh, 75 lap, lapper, four of our <laughs> minor horsepower cars finished in the top 10. Against all the national cars, so that's kind of fantastic too. They really go through the corners quickly.
1: Yeah, that's good. stuff. now, now my good friend Gray Warren, who's uh, grown up in racing and worked in NASCAR for years, has joined us on the call here. And Gray, you've got a question for Mel or Vaughn.
5: Yeah, yeah, Mel, honored to talk with you tonight. Um, yeah, just you know, back in back in your time, uh, you and your peers. Um, started and ran midgets and ran champ cars, and it was all kind of building up to uh, getting to run uh, uh, USAC, run the the Indy 500, and run the Indy-style cars. Today's, it seems that, and that was kind of the road to Indy back then, it seems that has changed today with today's drivers, that that, that, entrance into indie car racing has, has somewhat changed and it's not as traditional as it was with guys coming up through the midget and and uh, and, and dirt car ranks there these guys are coming from more uh, uh, of a more of a road course uh, background what's what's your feeling on, on that and and how how it's changed over the years
4: well actually um, you had to be more of a uh, not only know your race car, know what to change when you came in, <laughs> and which I always had to do. I set the cars up all the way from the go-karts through the indie cars, and uh, and so you came in and you knew what to change. Now you have to talk to the kids, if you will, and get an idea of what's happening, and, and maybe they don't really know what to tell you, and so you have to kind of visualize And 98% of the time it's right, but I can't always adjust it on mm-hmm. the right path. But again, it's... Uh, because it's gotten so uh... fantastic uh, with the speed and, and not only in nascar but indy cars and midgets too for that matter but uh... it's how quick you can get around the four corners and back to the start finish line almost everywhere except uh, it's not as much fun as it used to be back before we had all the wings and ground effects it was more fun if you will mm-hmm. and uh, the, the midget drivers if you will had a chance to, to gain a statue in the bigger equipment nowadays it's uh how heavy your pocketbook is <laughs> yeah, yeah that's <laughs> well, true bring us sponsor
5: let me let me ask you this too but uh, a lot of your contemporaries uh from back in the day Foyt, uh, uh, uh andretti mccluskey the unsers all those guys uh that, that came up in the in and you guys raced week in and week out. A lot of those guys made forays into stock cars. Of course USAC had a thriving stock car division uh back in those days. Did you ever get the itch to, to, to jump in one of the taxi cabs and, and run?
4: Yeah, I did over in Australia actually. Uh I had a chance to drive a late model over there and uh, I thought I watched him go and I thought sure he had fast steering in there and <laughs> I climbed into his race car, and I could go as fast as he could, but I had to hang on to my left hand on that pin and do mm-hmm. that way, and I could never drive 100 laps that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to uh, back out, and I climbed into a modified, and now we won everything in the modifieds uh, from the U.S. over there in Australia. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's to the point. If you can shuffle the steering wheel in your hands, which I cannot do, uh, I'm limited to what I can drive and end it the late mm-hmm. models you have to be able to shuffle the steering wheel in order to catch the darn
1: things and so right. I, I do that question, just a question for you for you both here both um, uh, Vaughn and Mel and this is just on uh, um, the, the state of racing today now you've uh, the, like I said now now, now Vaughn you're just a little younger than me and, and Mel you've been in racing uh, you know since the 40s so uh, you know a lot of folks say like auto racing is on a decline de- attendance is down um but, but at the same time, I think there's really good product out there. But what are, what are your thoughts on the state of racing today all the way from, you know, from the grassroots midgets all the way up to the major series? And whichever you guys want to go first, go ahead and jump in.
4: Well, actually, I, I think you're right. Uh, there's very, not as much interest. It used to be a guy wanted to drive a race car, and he w- was willing to jump into almost anything to get the experience. And uh, nowadays, uh, there's not as much interest. In fact, a lot of you can start when our midgets now, full midget if you will. At 12 years old, I had to wait till I was 21. And uh, now the kids get out of the race car, if you will, take out their cell phones, sit down and play with their phones for a while. Oh, it's time to get back in. <laughs>
2: it's <laughs> a
3: different world. Hey, a trust me. Trips, if you will. Some of the guys, some of the guys that I've worked with do the same thing, and they're not kids anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: right. We're all kids, just different ages.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now, Va- Vaughn, you have thoughts on the state of racing today?
2: Um, yes, we. Uh, I I don't go to the small tracks anymore, but uh, I watch all the NASCAR and IndyCar Formula One on TV. And, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Formula One race at Texas had a a record crowd in the one in Texas for NASCAR had a very um, small crowd. So I I think Formula One and IndyCar, they're on the upswing right now. Uh, I think NASCAR's still struggling a little bit. And uh, as far as the windscreen on the IndyCar is, I I like that better than the uh, Halo on Formula One. I think that windscreen will be uh, a good addition for next year and beyond. You know, I, 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 I think see the driver's helmet in Corvette a lot anymore. All you see is the car and the halo.
3: Very true. Yeah.
5: You know, we talk about talk about how how it's declined a little bit, but I still think that uh, you know, of course, the big series are, are that are on TV a lot or are, uh, are suffering some, but but a lot of the small tracks, places like. Uh, in our area, Bowman Gray Stadium that has weekly shows, they they sell out every week. Places like Eldora uh, mm-hmm. in Midwest, they still have good, terrific crowds. Knoxville, places like that, uh, these these weekly short track shows are are still much in demand and well attended.
4: Actually, I think you're right. It's a certain small tracks like Anderson Speedway for the Little Five Hundred. You know, they pack that place. <laughs> But they pack the place for the bus races, too. <laughs> mm
2: hmm.
5: Yep.
4: And so it's really uh, what enter. enter What enter. The, the people have to be interested in going to see that. There's so much to do nowadays and so much things to watch and do yourself. And so you have to really pick and choose where you're going to spend your money.
5: Yeah, a lot of competition for that entertainment dollar, for sure.
1: Very sure. Now, Mel, what are your thoughts on. Uh, because we're talking about uh, you know the, the future of not only the future of racing the future of, of the automobile industry, so we're, we're you know we we see more and more hybrid technology, uh, Formula E, uh, electric cars has a thriving series, is um, you know they, they, they're almost like uh, you know does away with the roots of the you know the gasoline powered engine. But uh, do, do you see a, a real future in, in in electric racing or hybrid racing as it applies to the automotive industry?
4: Well, that is another world completely different than what we're used to, and so it's honestly hard to say. How long is your battery life?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh,
4: so it's going to be as to how long the events are and and uh, how competitive they're going to be because, uh, again, battery cars are a heavy version of, a, of an automobile, and so it's, it's really difficult to say what value that's going to have And the interest that it'll have, Uh, uh, everything has their own following, if you will. And so if there's some interest generated for the electric cars, I imagine they will put on a good show. Something
5: to be said for a finely tuned uh, internal combustion engine, though, the sound of it.
2: The electric cars are
5: quiet. Yeah. (laughs) I think it kind of takes a little bit away from it. it.
4: I was really happy when I put mufflers on midgets. Uh, a lot of tracks require a uh, decimal reading now of 100, maybe 110. And uh, I like it because you can actually hear other cars coming, and instead of just listening to yourself, you can either hear other race cars, but they're getting close to you and wanting to pass you. And so you can actually change your style maybe to keep that from happening. That's, pretty, that's, interesting. that's interesting, yeah, okay. And on top of that, my... My ears and hearing, if you will, are still as good as I was when I was a young kid because helmets and earphones have <laughs> kept the noise away. And so, uh, my brother in the infield, he's hard of hearing now because of that fact because uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: he hear the noise. Now, Mel, you're you're still active building race cars and and um, you still get to the track a lot. I know I know I see you at Indy every year uh, uh, on Legends Day, um, but are, do you yeah. still stay pretty busy? um week after week at the racetrack
4: we work on race cars and we take care of 10 cars if you will and we still haul five uh we haul for owners whose kids drive their race cars and so forth so we get paid that way double if you will and uh uh it's uh interesting in the fact that our cars put on a really good show but again we used to have as many as uh 16, 18 cars, and now we're down to 10 and 12 cars, and that, that's terrible. That, they put on a good show, but that should be nice to have 16 cars again to race uh, against people, and so uh, racing today, we put on a good show, and that's what the people want to see, but again, we got to have cars out there to run, so it's getting the people interested. We just sold a race car, and we have a couple people interested, and hopefully those a couple people will buy race cars also. So we can uh, gonna... repair cars nowadays instead of little new ones do you guys do you guys uh
5: currently take cars to like the big shows like the Chili Bowl and things like that?
4: Uh, no, with our engines of course uh hundred and twenty five horse just doesn't make it down there um, mm-hmm. it's it's hard the race car is a race car, but we still gotta have a power plant right exactly capable of getting it to the front. And uh, $65,000 for a Toyota motor is just out of sight. In fact, that's just about killed wow. the racing. 385 horse is nice, but again, uh, my Gertie at, at 365 still wins on the short tracks and so forth, but it's no good at all against the horsepower on the big racetracks.
5: Right. I got you. Yep. Everything's in cubic cubic dollars now. <laughs> oh, boy, is it ever. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to put on your talent evaluator hat. And we've had several guys that have, uh, that have come from the midget ranks and have, have right. come up and gone into NASCAR, which is, you know, where, where my background is. Uh, tell, us, tell us how you feel about uh, guys like uh, uh, Kyle Larson and, uh, and Christopher Bell and, and, and guys like that who have, who have come up through the midgets and things and, and have made it, made it into the stock car ranks and have, have been pretty successful.
4: Actually, those guys are fantastic, in everything they climb into, whether it's mid sprint cars or NASCAR, if you will, um, it's nice to be so versatile like Foyt and Andretti and uh, Unser's. Uh, they were able to do the same thing, but uh, uh, you got to have a name that is well that sells well, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to the to the public, and uh, or you got to have if you can bring a fantastic sponsor to you any show you just about have a good ride yeah but that sponsor has to be able to stay with you for a while and sometimes it's difficult
5: you you know of course obviously you've ran you've run a a, a master of dirt no no doubt and 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 run a bunch run a bunch of dirt tracks throughout your career we had mary Andretti as a guest on our show a couple of years ago and we were talking about you know his his experience in racing and he, he was talking you know, we asked him how how he was so good in the rain when he ran the Formula One cars, and he said it all went back to his dirt track roots and learning his car control on dirt. Uh, all that translated when he got in a Formula One car and was able to uh, to to uh, be so good in the rain. Uh, tell us, tell tell us a little bit, you know, about that. Speak to speak to that some.
4: Well, actually, that's true. Uh Uh, we've had I think eight people that started out in the midgets that ended up in NASCAR but again some of those folks have gone back to open wheel stuff too sponsorship is the the big thing again and uh, to be very versatile in various ranks of racing whether it's open wheel or or NASCAR stock cars if you will it's just a a fantastic opportunity for the drivers Uh, and you really have to push that envelope if you want to be good at anything that you do uh, when we ran 90 races a year just in the midgets, that was fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, now we're USAC is down to about 13 races now in dirt only, no pavement. And so we're the only group that still runs dirt and pavement with our learner cars, if you will, mm-hmm. canyon cars. And it's it's fantastic to be able to. Uh, Give the drivers the opportunity, like Spencer Baston, for instance, uh, won 16 features for us one year. when he had 20 races, but he won 16 of them.
2: Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dirt
4: and pavement. Oh, oh. So that's fantastic. Where the average person wins just four or five races a year, well, he won 16. That's fantastic. Chris Windham was another good one, too.
2: hmm
4: And it, it's just hard to say what a driver's capable of and what he wants to do. And uh, we're having trouble with the kids in the spring and the fall. Of course, they're still in school. And so their parents don't want to pull them out too often, <laughs> and uh, that that's that's just a, a shortage of cars again in the spring and fall. But uh, racing has to be something you really want to do in order to become good at. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, it's an avenue which isn't uh, wanted as much as it used to be. Uh, Carl Larson, he's he's another just fantastic driver. He drives everything hard and does well, I mean, whether it's a heavy stock car or, or a sprint car and occasional midgets, a chili bowl, for instance. It's just a fantastic... Like having 360 cars show up for a 28 spot, <laughs> Wow, well, yeah. That's unreal. Mm-hmm. We used to do the same thing in, in New Sack, like Cherville, when 140 cars showed up. yeah, And uh, I was... Uh, 60th out to qualify and, and stuck it out and the weeds ended up second quick so that turned out good <laughs> <Yay>. but uh, <laughs> it's fun to, uh, to be able to do that led the race for 80 some laps then broke an oil pump shaft so I didn't finish but it's, uh, Dave Darlin and I are the only two drivers that have been able to win turkey night on dirt and pavement so that's fantastic too
5: you know, and, and I remember as a kid those big races at Terre Haute, you know, and, and getting the publicity they used to get. And like you said, you had so many cars there. It was kind of like what the Knoxville in that time was kind of like what the Knoxville Nationals are uh, in, yeah. in, in this in this day and time and stuff. Because that was one of the big one of the big shows, and, and uh, of course, you know, USAC ran everything on on Terre Haute. They ran the stock cars, they ran the champ cars, the midgets, and and, and uh, in In sprints, so yeah, that those were those were big let me ask you, is Terre Haute still in still in operation?
4: Yeah, but they run at night now, in fact, I ran the last daytime race there, and uh, uh and again ended up really well, except for the fact that I didn't finish, but uh they run at night there now, and so the racetrack stays with them because you're not allowed to put a lot of stuff on the dirt anymore to keep it mm-hmm. moist, if you will, and so everybody is trying to keep the tires on the cars in fact the first time at the chili bowl we just were barely able to keep tires on the car and so we went there with harder tires the next year and they changed the dirt to talcum powder dirt and i needed softer tires (laughs) Mm -hmm. so one never knows nowadays uh world outlaw cars they they kind of end up on hard slick tracks that take rubber and once they take rubber then everybody goes faster and uh
5: and you don't, yeah, yeah the cars rubber. don't, don't slip and slide like they used to. They more keep, they, they, more or less keep them straight on those tracks where it gets really hard and they lay down rubber. And that's, yep. the, that's really the fastest way around when they, when they just keep the wheels straight and they're not, not, not hanging the back end out like they do on some of these tracks yeah. because really you don't, you don't want to get up in the cushion. You want to stay, stay in the groove as it were.
4: Yeah, you got to stay where the rubber is and you start driving it more like pavement. Yep, And yep. You, don't, you don't get sideways too often because you just slip backwards.
5: Yep, that's
1: right, yep. Now, uh, Vaughn, I know you're still with us. Now, I, I know you, you um, your brother Bryce has driven some bridges, uh, midget races as well. Have you ever hopped in a race car and uh, driven one, or was that?
2: <laughs> well, we, uh, my brother and I had a go-car back in the early 90s. We took turns driving that, but uh, I, I ran out of money and, I didn't really have the burning passion to drive either, so when I ran out of money, i never get back into driving. My brother raced for years more, but I don't believe he races anymore uh, nowadays. Well, he'd love to, uh,
4: but he can't get insurance now with the family in New Zealand. <laughs> it's, uh, he got the car and the, and the uh, sponsorship and so forth, and he, he couldn't get life insurance, so makes a difference
3: i imagine it does yeah yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i've got one 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 question one final question for me here uh you know obviously you mentioned all of your you know nearly 400 wins uh you know and i, I can't dread to think how many uh, how many races you entered total but is the is the one race that stands out as the sort of the one that got away that you think you you could have and should have won and even today it's just that little bit of frustration for you
4: well, uh, the Chili Bowl, again, I ran second in my first race there. I should have won it, but uh, keeping tires on that night was the big important thing. And and uh, the, oh, There's so many races I should have won, like uh, at the speedrun in Indianapolis. I led for, for uh, 46 laps out of 50, I believe, got the white flag, and we did it and did it, and the young 16-year-old blasted me in the butt right out of the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kids. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I got it caught up and, and almost passed him in three and four on the last lap, but not quite. So another one I should have won, but didn't.
5: <laughs> well, I tell you what, you, you you've had a tremendous career. Uh, what seven seven uh, USAC midget championships and ca- countless wins, and uh, I tell you, and, and and inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame. So uh, you know you've you've uh, you've pretty much done it all and seen it all.
4: Yeah, that's very true. In fact, it's nine different Hall of Fames, but a lot of them are fan club Hall of Fames. But nevertheless, the international and national is pretty fantastic in the same year. Uh, I got to sit with a lot of important people at those banquets. Yeah, and and then
1: then you got inducted into the Midget Hall of Fame, and then won the championship the next year after you got uh, inducted, which (laughs) is... (laughs) Well,
4: we've had, I think, 14 national championships and, and uh, sorry, 10 national championships and four regional championships. But, uh, again, it's, uh, winning the races is uh, kind of more important and makes the most money. And uh, yep. it's, uh, it's fun to run anywhere and everywhere and still have a good time.
2: Yep,
5: that's, and that's why you go to the track each week. You know, the champ, like you said, championships are nice, but that's a cumulative effort. But when you go to the racetrack every, every week, the name of the game is to win the race. So yeah, that's, that's great. And I tell you what, you've had a you've had a terrific career, career, and all those honors and accolades are well deserved.
4: Well, we just try hard, and uh, and sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it does. And so that's all we can do is thank the Lord for all of our blessings.
5: There you go.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and speaking of thanking, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. I want to thank you, Vaughn, um, for um, for you know, help set us up with your dad. And I want to thank you, Mel, for coming on and, and talking to us. So, uh, I mean, with that being said, uh, you guys got any, any final thoughts before we, before we let you go and continue with your day?
2: I appreciate you asking me to come on too. I've never had the opportunity to do something like this
1: before. And it's been fun. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Vaughn. Yeah. Cause I always enjoy, uh, always enjoy your, your photography and your, um, your social media posts. So, Thank you. It's
4: just fantastic being able to talk with all you guys, and uh, I know you guys are really uh, up on your end of the world also. And All we can say is, good day, mate. Have a jolly good time.
5: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, thank you, Mel. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on our show tonight. We've really enjoyed
1: it. Yes, it's been been fantastic. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Thank
4: you. All we can do is have a good night.
1: Take care, fellas. Guys, let's talk about uh, NASCAR Championship 4. Um, we're heading heading to Homestead. We've got going to decide all three championships. Um, the, the top guys in the in the NASCAR series are going to be three Gibbs cars, which is going to be Kyle, Denny Hamlin, the other guy, and Kevin Harvick.
2: <laughs> true X,
1: <laughs> true X. I know. So True X goes into Phoenix with uh, half a crew in an old car, uh, so that he can help out his uh, other buddies there, but. Uh, Uh, Good show. Good show for uh, Denny. Um, Seth, Gray, take it away.
0: Well, it was Denny's race to lose, essentially. Uh, He dominated that race, although Logano, for a while, looked like he might have been in instead of Kyle Busch, at least until the final stage of first-round pit stops. Whatever air pressure change they made on Logano's car absolutely destroyed the handling of his car, He went from running in the top three to uh, going a lap down, having to take a wave around under the final yellow to get back on the lead lap, and just missed getting into the final four, the championship four, by seven points. So we are guaranteed to not have a repeat, or at least a back-to-back champion.
1: Right, so do you you buy the conspiracy theory that Kyle – Didn't challenge Denny because uh, Denny first, Kyle second gets two Gibbs cars in. Kyle first, Denny second gets Logano in.
0: God, no, because uh, the two drivers that took two tires were Hamlin and Blaney. They restarted first and second. They finished first and third. If uh, four tires were that good, Blaney would have been probably – a tent, if not worse, so it's just a matter of tires didn't mean as much as they realized.
1: Now, great, the I've I read a couple comments in this that the the tires just don't have the drop off uh, that they used to, and and I, I think somebody put a comment out that oh, you could drive two thousand laps and still not having to drop off. I don't, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Well, but uh, so, you yeah, know, there was a time where, you know, four tires, you could just run right through the field. But uh, now it not so much drop off.
5: Well, it depends on the racetrack, and it depends on the type of the, the tire compounds that they bring uh, to the racetrack. I, I've always been a fan of of, of uh, a tire that degrades, you know, through the run. I think it adds, it's, it adds a little bit of element of uh, strategy you have to manage your tires as we talk about this when we talk about formula one a lot you know i think um uh, in any series where you have to manage tires and you can see i think it it, it changes the competition uh it makes for a more competitive race in in, in some regards but you know it, it's just um with with differing packages aerodynamic packages that uh that NASCAR works with and changes it, 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 puts a, uh, puts a load on these tire companies and they have to c- continually develop tires, uh, you know, from year to year to, uh, to be able to work with the packages that, uh, they're, they're showing up with and what, what NASCAR is, is wanting to use. So, you know, it, it'll be different in different places. Some tracks are like say Darlington where the, uh, the, the aggregate that they paid the racetrack with is, very abrasive, and uh, no matter what you do, you're always going to have uh, you know tire wear is going to be an issue. But other tracks, uh, they can pretty much dial them in, and and, and it, they bring a tire that's very complimentary uh, to the racing surface, and and they don't fall off a lot. And sometimes you can get two tires, and it, you really don't see that see that drop off. I do, you know, when you talk about that race, I do know there was some concern in the in the announcers booth about Denny getting two tires, uh, when, when his, com- uh, competition got four and they kind of thought he might be a little bit of a sitting duck, but, uh, he proved them wrong and was able to get a good restart. And I think again, um, you know, he, he, he chose the right line and, and even on a mile track down force and in, in, in the way these cars are, are trimmed out does make a difference. And you get in clean air, uh, it's an advantage. And I think that's what, uh, that's what Denny was able to do he just ensured his, his track position by getting two tires and was able to to jump to the jump to the lead and uh, and maintain it in clean air
0: speaking of packages uh, there was a little few rumblings this weekend that NASCAR next year might at least tweak the package on the short tracks and the road courses in part as a response to the quality of racing this year at the short tracks and road courses uh, in part as well, where it's essentially a lame duck season for this car. And one other uh, thing I do want to mention, NASCAR originally wanted two different aero packages, one for the short tracks and road courses, which was the 2018 package and the new current package on the, Intermediate Tracks and Super speedways. That plan, from my understanding, was nixed by several teams in the industry because they were complaining about the amount of costs when they're trying to save money.
1: Richard, do you have some comments on this? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay, I'll I'll just throw throw in my two cents. I, I thought that the racing on the... (laughs) <laughs> both the short tracks and the road courses were pretty good this year. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the short tracks and the road courses. So, I mean, Seth, what are they trying to spice up?
0: It's not exactly they're, they're trying to spice anything up. The problem is, at least on the short tracks and the road courses, the road courses especially, uh, the leader is able to use the clean air so well that it's extru- not just hard to pass, but extremely difficult to pass. Uh, The two road courses, for example, had zero green flag uh, lead changes, which, at least in recent years, is unusual. That being said, there are other things as well in the difficulty to pass, not just at the front of the field, but mid-pack, especially at a track like Martinsville or Richmond, while – Say Bristol with the VHT, uh, the traction compound alleviates some, if not all of those problems. So it's essentially a, uh, issue depending on which, uh, short track or which road course we're talking about.
1: That being said, let's, uh, talk a little bit about this penalty to, uh, Bubba Wallace that came through from the last race. That, well, uh, the, the intentional spin and the keep your should have kept your mouth shut.
0: <laughs> he essentially, uh, Saturday night, he, uh, spoke to NASCAR on NBC's Dustin Long and had essentially mentioned that. Yeah, he did on purpose because he's racing for himself. He's not racing for Chevrolet. He's not racing for Kyle Larson. He's not racing for any of the other playoff drivers. He's racing for Bubba Wallace. And his one comment was, until NASCAR does something, he'll do it again. (laughs) The next morning, NASCAR NASCAR did something. Yes, they penalized him, 50 driver points, and $50,000. It does not affect the team, but it affects him specifically. So, uh, Essentially, Petty, uh, Richard Petty Motorsports is unaffected, uh, which for a team of that size is actually a good thing. So it doesn't affect them in owner points, and the reason why I'm specifically stating that is uh, cars are in the top 20 in owner points, granted, Petty is not there, but cars that are in the top 20 in, in owner points are guaranteed to be in the rotation for Goodyear tire testing. For the next season. Right now the last car in that position. Is the number 37. From JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, I believe Petty. Is on the edge of the top 25. Which if they're able to get. To 25th. That would guarantee them. At least one. uh, Goodyear Tire Test. Invite at some point in the year. But they wouldn't be in the rotation. For all of them.
1: A couple of driver changes that were announced earlier today.
0: Yes, uh, Matt Tift announced he won't be returning. Uh, It was a mutual agreement with uh, Front Row Motorsports as he still is, A, recovering from the seizure at Martinsville, but also they are still unsure of what caused the seizure. Uh, The EEG that he uh, testing they went through earlier this week, came back that there is no brain tumor and is not as a result of the scar tissue from the tumor that was removed several years ago. So that's at least a positive there. Uh, in the Xfinity series, Daniel Hemrick will be moving back down to run 21 races for Junior Motorsports. 11 will go to Jeb Burton and one for Dale Jr. himself which at Darlington earlier this year, he said he was thinking of running Homestead because he's never had the opportunity to, at least the current version of Homestead.
1: So now who's replacing Hemrick in the cup car?
0: Uh, that is Tyler Reddick. And that was announced a few weeks ago.
1: Right. I just couldn't remember who it was. So, well, let's talk about the championship, uh, weekend coming up. We've got, uh, three championships to decide. Um, 12, 12 drivers that can, uh, that win it uh who do we like gray who you like who you like for the cup
5: gosh it's uh it's it's wide open because uh you know all four drivers have won uh have won at the racetrack before uh we've got one driver going after his first championship and three others seeking their second uh but wow you know it's 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 probably as is open up I don't. I don't see one guy that you know. You could say guy coming in with momentum is obviously uh, Hamlin, but you know we, we we see the momentum change every week. You know we. I can go back. we can go back to the first segment where where uh, Truex won, and uh, we, you know he was a shoe in to win it. And then we go and somebody else gains the upper hand, has 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 a has a good race, and automatically he becomes the favorite, and it go and it changes. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Denny Hamlin stays hot uh, and, and wins his first championship. I think he's he's due to win one. Uh, he's had a he's had a great year. He's had uh, uh, probably uh, one of his best years as far as far as number of victories uh, that that he's had. And I think he'd like to cap it off with a uh, with a championship. So I'm, my pick's gonna be Denny.
1: Graham, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go with Denny Hamlin as well, just because I wanna see the stretch of uh the, the no repeat champions. So, um
5: Yeah, I'd like to see somebody else win it. I think it'd be good for the sport to see another 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 champion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna that's that's one reason I like Denny. He's he's yeah. hungry. He hasn't won it yet, he's been close before, and I think he pulls it off this time.
1: Yeah, and he's been in the series a number of years and and he's got some, you know, great victories, you know, Daytona sure, Fox. All of Fame credentials. Yeah. I mean, sure, you know, sure. Yeah, is, uh, you need, need yeah. to go ahead and put a, uh, you know, put a put a championship on that. So, Richard, Seth, who you guys like?
3: Uh, I'm going to go with Harvick. I think it's going to be very, very hard for for Gibbs to separate. You know, they've got to basically produce three championship caliber cars that all have to be equal. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of infighting and a lot of bickering within the team. And I think. Um, you know, the Ford stable, not just, um, you know, Stuart Haas, but the whole Ford group can can fully put their um, concentration into one car, which I think will be a big advantage to them.
0: Well, Richard, I think you're on an island this week because I'm going with Hamlin as well, just because the trends would point to a first time champion. On top of that, yes, Harvick in theory has the upper hand because of its Stewart Haas teammates having nothing to lose. But Gibbs in general this year, uh, they've stepped up to the plate. Although I will say this as far as, uh, Hamlin winning the championship. I think he will win the championship, but I think we'll have somebody else winning the race, either Joey Logano or
3: Kyle Larson. Will this be the first time that somebody wins the championship and not wins a race in the cup series. Correct.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could very well be. I mean, uh, you got a lot of guys going down there that got different agendas and things to prove, but I, I, I still like, uh, I still like, uh, Hamlin. And I tell you, you know, they, they've had a tremendous year and, and well, I believe they locked up the manufacturer's championship for Toyota with, with the win. At Phoenix. Is that correct? Last week. Correct. Yeah, I, believe, I believe that was correct. So that's, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, championship has been decided. So, uh, yeah, and we got uh, we got championships to be decided in the, uh, in, the uh, in the other two
1: touring divisions as well. Yes, Seth. Who are who are the four Xfinity and the four uh, truck guys?
0: Well, in the Xfinity series, we have Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, and Justin Allgaier. Meanwhile, in the truck series, we have Brett Moffat, Ross Chastain, Stuart Friesen, and Matt Crafton.
5: Yeah, that, those races. Uh, tend to be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty wide open too. And I tell you that that Xfinity is as it should be. The four top guys all year uh, have ha- are there, you know. In it. And finally, we talk about Phoenix and Algar and finally got his his first win of the year. But he's been there, you know, been in the been in the thick of things all year, and just just hasn't been able to. Uh, he and his team just haven't been able to close out a race, and they were able to. This past weekend at Phoenix, and what a what a great time to do it to to ensure his uh, his path to uh, to homestead to run for the championship. So yeah, uh, that 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 uh, promises to be a really good and uh, really good Xfinity race. One one that, you know is 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 to be tuned into for sure.
0: Agreed. Uh, last year, uh, Allgaier seemed to have it locked up until he had a tire issue late, handing the championship to. Tyler Reddick, which coincidentally the year before, his teammate, the same thing happened to Elliott Sadler uh, after running with Ryan Priest, giving the championship to another Junior Motorsports driver, William Byron.
5: So we'll see what happens, and I guess Junior Motorsports going for three in a row uh, this year. Yeah. So that's that that that's going to be an interesting race on uh, on Saturday evening. Or Saturday late Saturday afternoon and of course the truck race and, and Seth, you can you you follow that that series closer than the rest of us. You can kind of give us a little preview of that.
0: Well, for the truck series we have two defending champions and two possible first time champions. Brett Moffitt, who won last year with Hattori Racing, the underfunded team, is back this time with GMS racing, one of the powerhouse teams. Matt Crafton, who is still winless, could become just the second winless champion in NASCAR history after uh, Austin Dillon in 2013 in the Xfinity Series. Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain who uh, changed points mid-season, and Stuart Friesen, the dirt ringer who turned NASCAR driver, who won at Phoenix and is possibly on the verge of his first championship.
5: Yep, something to look forward to on Friday evening.
1: All right. So and then the other thing we've got coming up this weekend is uh, Formula One cars are in Brazil. Uh, Richard, you have about zero time to tell us about it. So go ahead.
3: Uh, Yeah, a bit of a bit of a dead rubber this weekend. Um, You know, even Toto is not going to the race. Uh, He's he's back in the UK concentrating on bigger, bigger things for uh, the Mercedes team. So, uh, you know, a bit of an end of end of school term sort of uh, feel to it. You know, the drivers are a little bit more relaxed, maybe. Um, uh, it should be a good race. You know, Interlagos is one of those old-fashioned tracks, even though it's not the uh, the grand track that it used to be in the 60s and 70s, but it's still a still a great place to go racing. Improved greatly over the last few years. Uh, you know, there was, back in the day, teams used to have to get their own generators, the power would keep cutting out and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it'd be good to go back there. Good race, good crowd, great atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, Shame there's nothing on the line here because it's uh, it's it's a really really good race to go to. All
1: right, that, that'll be fun to watch too. But uh, with that being said, we're out of time, so I want to thank you, Gray, and Seth, and Richard, and I want to thank Mel Kenyon and Vaughn Kenyon for coming on the show tonight. I want to thank the Hoopsie Radio Network and uh, iHeartRadio and all those other folks that that uh, host us. And I want to thank you folks that listen to us week in and week out. Um, till next week. Good night. <laughs> W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's your
2: wizard.com. Get your website, get your website, get your website, get your website.